¿Qué pasó, familia? Soy ese vato gallo. Welcome to another episode of Sucias Are My Favorite. In the last episode, I mentioned Me Too when it's convenient. And I wanted to spend a little time on this because I've been on both sides of this issue. So before we jump in, I gotta give a little background. In the last episode, I talked about how Fifty Shades of Grey was the worst thing to happen to the kink community. While it did help the kink community become more mainstream, or rather, it let people know that there's a lot more to sex than just spanking and pulling hair, it gave rise to fake doms, but by doing so, it highlighted something I saw or heard that I think I'm probably in the minority of. Short version is, Christian, one of the main characters in this book, has sex with a virgin, and he essentially rapes her because he ignored her safe word, which means she revoked her consent and he kept on going with it. But because it was described as a sensual act, I think it was ignored as a rape because the mainstream just thought it was so hot. Now I say I'm in the minority because the kink community, at least the legit kink community, sees this as rape. But compared to the millions that read the books and saw the movies and thought that it was hot, well, we're like a speck of dust compared to them. While talking about fake doms and Fifty Shades, I realized that the general public, mainstream, quote unquote, everyone, by their silence and not boycotting the books or the movies, they loudly said, or at least I heard, quote, rape is okay if you make it hot, unquote. Which got me to thinking, what if Weinstein was attractive? What if it was Brad Pitt or Tom Hardy? Now I'm sure your knee-jerk reaction would be to say, no, 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 we, we, we want their heads too. Would you though? I used to be a referee and now I'm an announcer in roller derby, or at least pre-COVID I was. How I got into derby wasn't relevant, but being a part of this subculture, I got to see a wide spectrum of females. Spectrum in the sense that, you know, not just in color and ethnicity, but also in their careers and there's doctors and lawyers, waitresses, nurses, mechanics, welders, personal trainers, all kinds of things. So I think it's a decent sampling. But by being a part of this subculture, I've seen a side of females I did not know existed. Now, one thing that happened to me, I went to referee an away game with the team that I was affiliated with. There was an after party, as there usually is. And one of the home team skaters came up to me and grabbed my crotch while she was drunk in front of my wife. Well, she was my girlfriend at the time. And not that it really bothered her or me for that matter. The next day on the way home, I mentioned to her, hey, you know, last night you were drunk and you grabbed me by the crotch. Her response was, oh, I always remember what I do when I'm drunk. I never get that shitty drunk. Then about a year later, Me Too exploded, and she was on the bandwagon commenting and cheering on and saying how sexual predators deserve to be castrated and thrown in jail and all this other craziness. To which I replied to her comment, quote, So when are you going to turn yourself in for grabbing me in the crotch in public, before or after you get your clit removed? End quote. In less than an hour, a lot of her friends were roasting her in the comments, and she had messaged me, essentially begging me to delete my reply. To which I responded, Hi, insert skater name. Nice to talk to you too, though my English must not be as good as yours because I didn't see an apology in any of that begging. She went ahead and apologized profusely. The night before my wife's celebration of life and the night of Goodbye Red's bonfire, um, or rather a few hours after that bonfire, uh, I woke up to another skater on top of me telling me, shh, it's okay, it's grief sex, you need this. Another time, early on in my roller derby career, at an after party, a skater came up to me while I was talking to other referees about the game. She asked me to join her in the parking lot for a little slap and tickle. I politely declined in front of the other refs, and her response was to accuse me of trying to take advantage of her, at the same time loudly proclaiming that I probably wasn't any good in bed anyways. There was a couple of guys or bar patrons that had tried to stand up and defend her honor, but the referees that I was with told them what had really happened. Her teammates just kind of shrugged their shoulders like, yeah, she's always like that. 
Now, this isn't to say that I'm completely blameless. There was a time before me too that when I'd see a skater that I hadn't seen in quite a while, and this would happen often because I was a traveling referee where I would play in and around, or sorry, I would referee in and around Houston, which was my home base. I would volunteer to ref at games in and around San Antonio, in and around Austin, Dallas, Lake Charles, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Gulfport, Mississippi, and many points in between. So by refereeing so many different games, it could be anywhere between six months to a year before I saw a skater again. And when I did, I'd run up to them and we'd be obnoxious. I'd give her a hug, lift her up by the waist, twirl her around and set her down all while profusely saying how much I missed her and how we should do things and hang out more and blah, 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 blah. And I'd been doing this for several months until one point I had a skater's husband ask me not to do that again, though I had no idea for what reason, about a few weeks later, another skater kind of complained to tell me, hey, I can feel you when, uh, yeah, you, when you let me down. And although it wasn't intentional, I wasn't aware that flaccid me was noticeable, perhaps by their thighs or their knees or who knows. So I'm going to share the gist of what a well-known skater shared in a blog post about another well-known skater who is male. This male skater has been in roller derby since it started in 2003. He was actually a part of an attempted revival in the 90s, and he's been a big skater, a big deal in the roller skating community since the 80s. So when roller derby kicked off and teams started taking themselves seriously... They hired better skaters to be trainers and put on mini boot camps to teach skaters how to better skate, block, stop, juke, move, all these fancy moves. And this male skater was among them. So the female skater was based out of Australia. Their team was finally able to save up enough money to be able to hire this trainer to come down and see them or train them. And after the whole weekend of training was over, there was a party that they had. There was a hot tub. And at one point, the female skater was sitting in the hot tub next to her boyfriend, who was a referee. However, she had to keep it a secret because at the time, her team had a rule that officials and skaters cannot date unless they join the league together as a couple or are married. So again, the boyfriend is sitting next to the skater and the trainer is there in the hot tub with all of them sitting next to her and he's being talkative and flirty with her, and he puts his hand on her thigh, and she brushes it away. A few minutes go by, he's still flirting and talking with her, he puts his hand on her thigh again, and again, she brushes it away. He does it a third time, and again, same result, so then he leaves her alone, and nothing further happened after that. Now, the skater debated on sharing this back then because she was a nobody skater and didn't think, you know, anybody would take her seriously, and a lot of self-doubt, which is understandable. And by the time Me Too gained traction, she was a better skater and she was internationally known at this point. And she decided that now's the time to share her story because if it happened to me, it probably has happened to someone else. The male skater, he was sanctioned and a, and a lot of things happened to him, but he did respond with an apology and stating that it happened so long ago that he doesn't have a firm recollection of it. He believes that he probably put his hand on her knee once or twice and agrees that, you know, he basically apologized. And after that blog post from the skater from Australia, a few other skaters came out and he was accused of either grabbing them by the breast or sending unsolicited pictures, which one could presume are dick pics. Not to be dismissive of it, you know, there, there was a slight divergence in the story. Not that either of them are lying, just that there's a small discrepancy. And of course, everyone has their own personal bias and can remember things differently. But he said that he touched her on the knee. She said on the thigh. Both agree that she brushed his hand away. And so as a male and also as a sex addict, being good at reading social cues is something that I have to be good at to be able to approach so many females. So when I read her story, 
I kept thinking, okay, I don't see the sexual assault. I see him flirting and she's brushing his hand away. And so I just see it like as a misread flirtation because she brushed his hand away and it wasn't a slapping his hand away or having some kind of face of disgust that would be a clear signal like, oh no, stop, right? Not that I'm condoning his actions, just simply stating that there was definitely some miscommunication or some misreading of cues. As for anyone else, I do know that having been in similar situations where I flirt on, flirt with, hit on, or pursue a female, that some nonverbal cue tells me that she's interested and wants me to engage. And sometimes, yes, she'll say no, and I persist because I read the no as not right now or try harder or try in a different way. But those are, those are something that you have to know in the moment, and it, it takes years of experience to be able to discern when if she says no or no, there's a big distinction in the way something's being said. As far as the trainer and skater situation, I see that the guy was flirting and misread or miscommunicated, but I don't think that that would be or that should be considered a sexual assault. But that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that she's wrong in her feelings or she's lied or in any way. I'm simply stating that I think it's miscommunication. But I do get that it's difficult for a female to be assertive because if she is, then she'll be called names or the male could be aggressive. And if she's not assertive, then the male would continue to pursue until the message is finally received or she has to go to the bar staff or security to help her out in this situation. And I do fully believe that there is an issue. There's been a situations where I dropped off my wife at the door of the bar so she didn't have to walk in the rain or walk about a mile down the road and it benefited both of us. She didn't have to walk as far and by the time I got back, we'd have drinks ordered. However, there'd be a few times where I'd show up and find out later that there was a guy that wasn't taking no as an answer from her until they saw me approach her. There were a few times where I would notice a guy would walk off, but she would tell me later what the, what had happened. I've also been the guy that some random female would give me a hug and whisper in my ear, hey, you know, there's this creep. He looks like this and he's wearing this jacket or he's got this hat on or whatever. So I'd keep an eye out for him and I'd let her know, hey, he just walked out or he just turned around and walked the other direction. She'd either hang out with us or whatever group I was with, call an Uber or I'd offer to walk her to her car with one of my friends or whatever and, you know, basically help someone out. When I was uh, bouncing this uh, outline or this idea for this episode off of a friend, she told me that I was lucky because of how tall I am and how intimidating I look. She's 5'7", and she's dated guys that are about her height, but just thin as a rail, and guys would harass her and her boyfriend. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about what was said, um, and, and I'm not laughing about the situation. I'm just laughing about, you'll see in a second. So these guys would harass her and her boyfriend and say things like, him? That's your boyfriend? I'm more of a man than him. What are you doing with a teacup boyfriend? So... <laughs> That's what I was laughing at. Um, not laughing at that her being harassed or my friend being harassed, just at the story she shared with me. In any case, so we're bouncing ideas like this and I, I didn't realize that guys would still harass other females. I mean, I know they harass females. I just didn't realize that they would continue to harass a female if a male was around. I just presumed that if a male was around with a female, whether they are boyfriend and girlfriend or not, like the situations I've been where I was a pretend boyfriend, the other guy would leave him alone. But I guess it depends on the defending male size. And so, yeah, I know it's difficult for a female to try and stand up for herself, as I've said before, that if she's too firm or too assertive, the male might get offended and start calling her a bitch or following her around and just make her uncomfortable until she has to leave, sneak out, get security to help. And again, like I said, on the flip side, if she isn't assertive enough, the male might read it as that she's just playing hard to get. Some dummies just think that it's an invitation to just keep trying or trying harder. In the case of the skater and trainer, it could result in the male continuing to try until it's clear, finally, that... She's not playing hard to get, but actually not interested. 
Now, to be clear, when I say I know what it's like for a female, I don't mean that I know what they go through, simply that I know from what I've been told. To the heart of the matter, me too, when it's convenient, attractive males can usually get away with murder. Well, at least in the eyes of females, and not always in the eyes of the law. And I don't mean that it always happens. I'm just saying that there, there are some instances where attractive males can do something, and regardless of what it is, females will still defend him or not think that he should be convicted or have as serious of a sentence as he received. Prime examples like Manson or even um, the Night Stalker. So like from the Night Stalker to narcissistic assholes and every attractive male in between, they can do as they please. Um, why? I don't know. But I'm just going to posit a theory that all of y'all are welcome to try to disprove. But attractive, narcissistic, or just plain alpha males, chads if you will, while revolting by the sum of their parts or even just from heinous individual acts, I think they're more often excused or allowed to do whatever they do, ignored, overlooked, whatever you want to call it, because a female having an attractive yet dominant male or desirable male, uh, the female might think, oh wow, well out of all these other females he chose me. Or perhaps, well at least he's not creepy about all of it. It could be that an attractive male just knows how to quote-unquote hunt for an insecure female that will feel less likely or that will be less likely to accuse him of anything because she'll be grateful that he's with her giving her attention or giving her his time. Though I would argue if it is creepy or cringy, is cringy spelled like G-E-Y or G-Y? Any case, um, I think that creepy and cringy should be attributed to the action, not based on the person's appearance. So I'm going to challenge you guys to pay attention to conversations with people, not just sit there and wait for your turn to speak, and to challenge other people's perspectives, it, because I'm, I'm trying to challenge yours right now. You might see the world a little differently, and hopefully I can help you do that as well. Now the reason I say that is anytime I've heard a female tell me, or in a group of other people, a story about something creepy that has happened to them, I'll ask them, what did the male look like? And nearly every time what had happened was creepy, they'll tell me that the male was unattractive, either in their description of him or just by their reaction. They'll say, he was ugly, he's fat, he's gross looking, he had bad teeth, or by their reaction, and they would just shudder and they would just shudder and go, ill. So then I ask them, because I usually know them well enough at this point to know who their celebrity hall pass is. So then I'll ask, hey, what if, you know, said celebrity had done it or did this or said that? Would you still think it was creepy? Most would say no without any hesitation. A couple would kind of look up and think and like, mm, well, probably not. No, no, pro yeah, no, probably not. And only three out of 89 females that I've asked, or at least since I've started keeping track of the, these conversations. So out of 89, only three flat out said, yes, it would still be creepy no matter what he looks like. Don't get me wrong. Males do this as well, though they give, it's more of giving passes to crazy, not creepy. And the best example I could give of this is uh, that Barney Stinson crazy to attractiveness or crazy to hotness matrix or table, whatever it was he called it, where a female can only be as crazy as they are attractive. So a 10 in hotness can be 10 in crazy, but a 7 in hotness could never be 9. I mean, she could be, but no one's going to be her boyfriend or put up with her for very long. So what's the point of all of this? Females usually have it made in the eyes of the law. Now, before you stop this or, you know, delete this, this podcast or whatever, just hear me out, okay? Usually it seems all the crap that females have to deal with, like as in legit, I would not want to be a female or Freaky Friday trade places with the female for any amount of time for all the gold in the world. However, females more often than not get away with more than males do legally. I don't know if you remember the case, um... Or the female, she drove her car into a lake, drowned her kids, and then she lived, right? Didn't spend that much time in prison 
or maybe she did, or maybe she just did probation. She got off pretty easily. In essence, there's probably plenty of stories where a female can murder her family, be done with prison and parole before a male is even halfway through his sentence, long before he has a parole hearing. That's even if he's eligible for parole. A female teacher can sexually assault or statutory rape multiple male students and get a max of probably 18 months. And that's sometimes not even prison time, but months of probation. Whereas a male teacher, this is actually more seen in the media where teacher has sexual relationship with her student versus teacher rapes his student or something to the effect that makes it clear that if it's a male, the mention of rape or statutory rape, that the crime is worse because it's committed against a female versus if it's committed against a male, it's no big deal. And I'm not saying that this is always the case or this is what always happens, just something that I've noticed in the media and minors can't even legally consent. So even if they are willing participants, it's still a crime. It just depends on what sex the perpetrator is as to how they're perceived in the media. I think it's worse to be a male in legal matters involving females or just comparing apples to apples. In this case, it's more like comparing apples to get out of jail free cards. But the worst thing in the matter, I think, is false accusations. That's not to say rape isn't, it's just... I just think that on the flip side of rape being worse for females, false accusation is worse for males. So in case my language isn't clear, I'm not saying this is always true or it's always the case. I just want to get across that in some instances, the eyes of the law aren't as blind and shines a kind light on the fairer sex. On the point of false accusations, I just wanted to talk about a friend of mine. So we were friends in high school. Um, or we were more acquaintances in high school, but I graduated before him and we remained friends afterwards. When I knew him, I knew he was going through some troubles. His, he was raised by his grandparents and his neighbor was like a father figure to him, taught him how to do things and would take him to go hunting and stuff like that. His senior year, he was charged and accused with molesting a underage girl. And I know what you're thinking. You probably think he should go to jail and have his balls cut off and all this craziness. And I don't mean that she should show him any kindness because he's my friend. Just listen to the rest of the story. I don't recall the details because it was like in the mid-90s. So 25-ish years ago? Fuck. Anyways, so this happened a long time ago. He got charged with this. Because he was a minor, they, they put him on probation. But he didn't take it seriously. I think the, the, the last straw was he went drinking on his 21st birthday, which what person doesn't? I mean, I get few people don't, but generally most 21-year-olds want to go get shit-faced drunk on their 21st birthday. So he violated his, his probation. He got thrown in jail or prison, did his time. And the daughter came forward and basically says, you know, she's an adult. And she says that her mother made her make those claims. She never understood why. But I know because my friend told me. The story is the wife had propositioned him when he was still in high school. I know that he, he said that he turned her down because the guy was like a father to him and he couldn't do that to him. And apparently they were going through a divorce or there was, you know, there was problems in the marriage. She wasn't happy. So I guess she thought an easy way would be to hook up with the neighbor real quick, whatever, right? In any case, because he turned her down, I'm going to guess that's why she got her daughter to make those false accusations. He's serving prison. He's a registered sex offender now. And even though the daughter is adamant, he didn't touch me, he didn't do anything, my mother made me do this, you know, to go back to my point that females get it easier legally, in some cases, it seems. My friend, even though he's innocent, he, you know, he still has that on his record. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime soon unless he gets a lot of money or becomes friends with the governor. That's just one thing. Fathers trying to see their kids and raked over the coals, particularly in Texas. And you know what? That's just, that's a different episode. Now, legally, per justice.gov, rape is defined as the penetration, no matter how slight, of the vagina or anus with any body part or object or oral penetration by a sex organ of another person without the consent of the victim. Merriam-Webster defines rape as the unlawful sexual activity 
and usually sexual intercourse carried out forcibly or under threat of injury against a person's will or with the person who is beneath a certain age or incapable of valid consent because of mental illness, mental deficiency, intoxication, unconsciousness, or deception. Now the key word in that is consent, which can be revoked at any time. This means that even if you're already having sex, either one of you can say stop. So if no one says stop, no, or don't, before or during sex, it's not rape. One more time. If you don't say stop, no, or don't, it's not rape. I would say that 99.99999% of humans are not mind readers. There's a very high chance out of all of your sexual partners, past, present, and future ones, they're not going to be mind readers either. So if you don't say it, legally you're consenting. Just to be clear one more time, I am not a lawyer but state laws, city ordinances can vary from place to place. But I'm pretty sure that consent is key towards the definition or what's legally defined as rape. You have to be conscious. You have to be awake. You have to be sober. You have to ha you know, have a mental capacity. So you have to be awake, alert, and sober to be able to consent. And you can consent by not saying anything, but you can revoke that consent. So back to the point, a female doesn't even have to report rape to ruin a male's life. She could just say it or post about it online, even just hint about possibly being raped or harassed and who the male is. And it just seems it's so easy to do because social media vilification is like the new national pastime. And we can't fix it by making stricter laws against people that make false accusations. As it stands, a false release report is a class B misdemeanor. At least it's that classification in Texas, which if I recall correctly, has a maximum sentence of a year in jail, county jail. Ask me how I know. So I had a situation where I was falsely accused. While I was in a roller derby league or team, I was called into a board meeting uh, because I was a head ref and I usually had to attend these things. When I was called in, I didn't expect it to be what it was. Uh, when I showed up, I was told or read the bylaws of the team, uh, specifically relating to sexual harassment and sexual assault. And I just nodded along, okay, what's this got to do with me? Finally, they brought up, or specifically the team president president brought up the point that I was accused of sexually of sexually harassing a skater. And I asked, okay, what is it that I did? What, what did I, who did I harass? What did I do? What did I say? Her response was, we can't tell you that because of fear of retaliation. And I'm like, okay, I can understand that. However, if you want me to step down, I need to know what I did. Did I say something? Did I do something? Did I make a joke that someone heard? Uh, because I think the severity of what I did should determine whether I should step down or whether I should be suspended or kicked out of the league. I don't know what's going on. The president just kept going on is that um, I had the option to voluntarily step down or that after I was dismissed, they would put it to a vote and I would likely lose. So again, I reiterated, okay, what am I being charged with? Because you're basically trying to convict me of doing something you can't even prove that I did, let alone will even tell me what I did. And I don't recall what the bylaws specifically stated, but what the bylaws specifically stated, I do recall there was a line in there basically saying that it was up to the purview of the league on how to handle it or whether to pass this along to law enforcement. So then I said, fine, if it's that big a deal, let's call the cops because I know I've never done anything severe to a skater 
And in my mind, the only thing I could think of is probably making some crude jokes with some friends that I knew um, I could joke around with in, in a sexual manner with sexual tones. And the only thing, again, I could think of is someone overheard me, another skater overheard it, and was offended by whatever joke I had made. In the end, I went ahead and voluntarily stepped down on the condition that I was still allowed to be a referee and that I could essentially work my way up to being head ref, even though I was the most qualified and the only ref with the most experience, and that ultimately I would be vindicated. After the board of directors meeting, I had gotten some messages from two board members um, wondering or wanting to know what it is I did or, or who it was that I harassed because, you know, they don't see me that way. They don't think that I would do such a thing, blah, blah, blah. I got one message from a board member along the lines of, quote, I wish it was me that you sexually harassed, unquote. And I kind of regret not following up on that because she is attractive. Uh, she was attractive then, just I was still of the mindset of don't shit where you eat. To this day, I have no idea what I did or to whom I did whatever it is I allegedly did to, right? I don't know what I did or who I did it to. And that is a, a very frustrating because that was a team that I started with from its inception, from what it was founded. And I was kind of proud of that league as to how fast it grew and what it was doing. Not that I had anything particular to do with it, just that I was associated with something like that. If making false reports became as serious as a crime of rape itself, then females might not come forward when it is actually rape, or a female might end up imprisoned on top of having been violated because of some loophole or falling through the cracks somehow or just having a bad lawyer or providing bad evidence. And so I, I don't think that's a solution either. So what's the point of all this? Weinstein got caught holding the bag that kicked off me too. Yes, I agree he should be imprisoned, but I don't think he should have been charged with rape or sexual assault. The charge, um, I think, should have been along the lines of soliciting a prostitute or, or something regarding prostitution. Or even something along the lines of pimping or forcing someone to be a prostitute. Yes, I know I'm going to get flamed for this, or do they still even call it flaming anymore? Anyways, but I'm sure I'll lose friends and followers and, and all that kind of shit um, because I agree, yes, he did abuse his power, but it was a quid pro quo. It was an open secret. Hollywood knew that he was doing this. If you go back or if you go online, I'm sure you can find some YouTube compilations, celebrities, actors, actresses, uh, singers, just people in Hollywood being questioned by the being questioned by the late night host and them saying something about Weinstein and they'd either roll their eyes or just say something, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go to that audition or something that basically saying that they knew or they were aware of what Weinstein did and just either made light of it or just made a joke of like, yeah, I don't want to get involved with it. I'm not disputing that something bad was happening. I agree. I'm just simply saying that while an abuse of power, if that was just the end of the dynamic, but the females got a job got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and possibly even a career that ended up paying them millions out of that deal for having sex with him one time. It's just my opinion. They whored themselves out because they knew what they were doing by walking in. They were basically agreeing that I'm going to give you my body in exchange for money and fame. That's just for the females that went when it was, like I said, an open secret where it was known throughout Hollywood that that's what he did, but not for the first few, for the first, for the first victims that um, the open secret is based off of, that the first ones that went had to give themselves up in exchange for it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning his actions. I'm not saying these females lied, much less that they deserved anything that 
happened to them. I'm just saying that they could have gotten up and left. They could have said no at any time or just not gone to the audition. If you're still with me or whether you're just hoping I'll somehow redeem myself or you can kind of see my perspective or maybe you just like how my crazy mind works, let me know what you think about any of this. My DMs are always open. You can find me at Cochino Chingon on Instagram, TikTok, and sometimes Twitter. If you're on Spotify, supposedly you can send me a voice message regardless of what you think of me. I just want to thank you for making it this far into this episode. I really appreciate it. And if you agree or find anything of what I've said interesting, just go ahead and give this a like. Go ahead and subscribe. I have more crazy ideas coming down in the pipes. Next week's episode is going to be my theory of 100 or how you can tell if a male is probably going to be any good in the sack. Thank you one more time for being here. I love all of y'all. Until next time, besos.